ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Well, hi. We told you we'd keep you up to date with COVID news on The Health Report. So here's a little mini Coronacast-ish snack. Yeah. I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan here on Gadigal Land. And I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor here on Jagera and Turrbal Land. So, Norman, tell us what's happening with COVID numbers in Australia. How worried are we about this eighth wave? Um, if indeed it is the eighth wave, we've lost count for how many waves it is. So the first thing to talk about is the fact that it's a wave. This is not an endemic virus that's here all the time. This is a virus that comes and goes in waves. So it's an epidemic virus and it's still, in fact, a pandemic virus. It's not seasonal. And we're just going to be subjective to wave after wave. And the nature of the virus changes, it mutates, and uh, the composition of the viruses that are affecting us in the community changes. So we are in the middle of a wave. Uh, who knows exactly where we are because we're, we've stopped weekly reporting. In Western Australia, they're worried enough to have mandatory mask wearing in high-risk uh, areas and public hospitals. At the moment, the death rate is low. And um, that's partly due to doctors being good at prescribing antivirals. There's not a good level of immunisation in the community. So there is a worry that um, people who are vulnerable could be affected because they are under-immunised. Well, let's talk about vaccines because we've heard in just the last couple of days that new ones are on the way for Australia. Yeah, the uh, new one is is actually not a bivalent vaccine. In other words, it's not a mix of the old virus with uh, the new variants of the virus. This is now uh, what's called a monovalent vaccine, which is all about XBB. So it's the XBB subvariant of Omicron is the variant that's in this vaccine. So it's a highly focused vaccine on, on XBB. Pfizer has a variation of this vaccine or formulation of this vaccine for children between 5 and 12. Um, they also have a version of the vaccine for people over 12. And Moderna have a version of the XBB vaccine, which is for people 12 years and older. Um, it's not been approved for kids under the age of five. And you do get a better immune reaction or an immune response to this, to uh, circulating XBB uh, Omicron, as well as other versions of the virus if they're around. The problem is that uh, we're chasing our tail. So XBB in Australia is the, that group, it's actually a family of uh, subvariants, that group still probably dominates in Australia, the uh, the viruses that are affecting us. The one that they're worried about, BA 2.86, is still in low numbers in Australia. Um, so this XBB is pretty good for what we've got in Australia at the moment, but it may not be good next year or as good next year as the variants change. But it might be good timing for us if we are kind of coming into a wave. It's going to be ready to administer from the 11th of December, so, you know, before people maybe go and mingle a lot with families over Christmas, New Year. Yes. So what are the latest Otagi recommendations? Well, it's changed a bit. So frequently on Coronacast we say, well, it's uh, six months since your last episode of COVID-19 or your booster. And in fact, that's not the case anymore. So what Otagi has done over the last, uh, over this year is really, they've not really been very explicit about it, but they're kind of saying for most people, it's now becoming an annual immunization. So let's start, and, and they're de-emphasizing COVID infection because most people don't know they've had a COVID infection because people aren't getting tested. But they do say if you do know you've had a COVID infection, you do want to wait a while before you have your next one. But most people don't know. So what they're saying is just focus on when you had your last dose of the vaccine. And let's just let's take 
um, people who, uh, just the general population over 18 who are otherwise well up to about the age of 65. If you've had a dose of the vaccine in 2023, you're not indicated to have another dose this year. So forget six months and anything like that. No more doses for you this year. And that comes from the evidence that if you have booster doses too close together, if you're otherwise healthy and not at risk, uh, you um, you don't get the ben- full benefit of the booster vaccine. And Israeli data, which suggests you're really only beginning to see a significant tail off in immunity at round about a year. Now, that's different. If you're over 75, if you're over 75, your immune system is beginning to tail off and they're saying you should seriously consider, highly recommend, you're recommending, they're recommending you have a booster dose this year at at six months after your last, after your last dose. If you're between 65 and 75, if you're at risk, you should also consider having a booster dose this year, in other words, within six months. And under 65, then there are rules for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and also people at high risk from compromised immunity. And you need to talk to your doctor or check the Atagi advice for that. So basically, if you've had it, you're otherwise well under 75 uh, you don't need another dose this year. If you do need another dose this year, you haven't had a 2023 dose, wait for the XBB vaccine to come in. So I want to talk about a piece of research that came out about a week ago about something, a word that was extremely familiar to us Australians uh, very recently, lockdown. And um, this group from Oxford University has published basically asking the question, are lockdowns worth it? Yeah, and they were particularly looking at the economic effects of lockdowns. So they emphasised that the speed of the lockdown was important, that the um, strictness of the lockdown, essentially strict lockdowns do work in terms of controlling the spread of the pandemic, and particularly when it comes to speed. But the problem is the economic effects and the effects on the population. And what they found was, unsurprisingly, and we saw this in Australia as well, that the effects of lockdowns affect different people disproportionately. If you live in a big house with a nice garden, it's hard though it is to go through a lockdown, particularly if you've got young kids. It's easier than if you're in a government apartment in a high-rise block and you're not allowed to leave and not allowed to move around. And also the differential effects on your income. So low-income people... Uh, and low-income families suffered differentially. And therefore, they, were argue, they argue that in a future scenario, when you move into lockdown, you've really got to think about people who are at the lower end of the scale in terms of income and housing and so on. The thing that I was wondering about with this study is, so they basically, they built a model and they used the data from New York City to sort of test whether their model worked. And they found it did. Congratulations to them. But New York City and the American healthcare system is very different to what we have in Australia. And I wondered how well we could generalise these findings to Australia? Um, That's a very good question. And there's no doubt that areas such as Queen's in New York suffered really badly during the the pandemic. But their lockdown came late and they were really chasing their tails. And they did have access to healthcare during the pandemic. The the system did open up a bit. Uh, However... Anecdotally, we, we haven't studied it closely in Australia and hopefully the new the inquiry that's going on will look at this. But if you particularly look at Melbourne, though that northwestern corridor of Melbourne uh, where you had lots of government, high-rise government apartment blocks uh, 
particularly with migrant populations who did not have a high level of, of English and were speaking their own languages and had their own cultural responses to the pandemic, that was really tough. And it was tough in the southwestern suburbs of Sydney as well. So anecdotally, the similar things, similar things happened here too with what you have to say is a much better healthcare system. Mm. Well, that is all we've got time for. For this little mini sort of coronavirus-ish episode, this is not going to be a regular thing, but when there is pressing news that we can't cover in the normal episode of The Health Report, we'll drop one right here. And get your immunisation. Go get it. All right, see you next time. Hello, I'm Dr Norman Swan. And I'm Tegan Taylor. We've got a new show for you called What's That Rash? Where we're answering the health questions everyone's asking. So what's a breakfast food? What is the deal with night terrors? Is it supposed to look like this? Yikes. Anyway, we'll give you all the answers to help you feel good and make the best decisions about your health. The only thing we can't provide is ointment. (laughs) Search for What's That Rash on the ABC Listen app.